The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome back, everybody, to the Underdog NBA show. And if you're a loyal listener, you've been waiting and wondering and talking in the Underdog NBA show forums about what's going on with Tyler Laurie. Where is he? Where has he been? It's been about a month. And there's been a lot of speculation on these fan sites. Some people are saying it was a PED suspension, drug problems. Did he get traded? Did he go sign officially with the athletic? We know he's been trying. Um, We're happy to announce that we have a special guest, Tyler Laurie, the man himself. Welcome back. How many episodes did I miss? Four or five? Because you had it rolling pretty good. You had Blake on, you had Kendall Baker on, you had Dondrick back on. They call it the golden era. <laughs> I think I missed four. I still edited some episodes, which was good from behind the scenes from a hospital room. I uh, Yeah, so that's a little cryptic. Why were you yeah, gone? I'm okay. Uh, new father. It's been two weeks uh, since my son was born, but we spent a little time in the hospital prior to because thanks to coronavirus, uh, if you, I don't have coronavirus, nor does my wife, but we checked into the hospital like April 15th and they wanted to keep her in the hospital because they were like, Hey, we want to make sure the baby gets here on time. She had like one complication and they were like, hey, we don't feel super comfortable sending you home. And, uh, as the partner, you can leave and you can't come back because everybody's worried about coronavirus and you interacting with other people. So I spent two weeks prior, my son was born on Cinco de Mayo and we were there from April 15th to Cinco de Mayo when he was born. And then we got to go home like three days after. So couldn't really do any podcasting from a labor and delivery antepartum room, but got a lot of time to sit in there and and think about ideas, you know, edit some shows that you did think about kind of what we want to do in the future if we never get basketball back. And then obviously think about all the criticisms and critiques I had for the last dance, which is the biggest thing that happened while I was in there. Right. Cause I didn't, I mean, what did I miss Zan? I didn't miss anything. And yeah, you know, we talked about, I don't know if you listened to the shows that you're editing, but we're talking about with Dondrick about last dance briefly. And that was the like, first two episodes. Right? right. We, and then we've only talked about those, but it felt like, like if ESPN wants to make and Disney really, they want to make something feel like a big deal they they succeed suddenly everyone's talking about this team that's 20 years old um and i love them i love the bulls but it's like shocking to me that it's like all anyone wants to talk about now let's talk about you for a second right so you've mentioned this before your family's from chicago you're obviously out in la now living in the hollywood hills but your recollection this is kind of we didn't even really text back and forth about this because i had dvr'd it and i binged it when i got back from the hospital so i wasn't actually watching it live but it seemed like every sunday like that was all that sports twitter was talking about was like what was going on but for you how how serious of a fan were you of those specific teams like walk me through like 85 to 93 and then like the retirement and then 96 to 98 like that was the peak for you like and you were a huge Jordan and Bulls guy. Like, 
do you remember how it was? Because to me, the coolest thing about it, and I have some issues with it for sure, but watching, they were like the Beatles, man. Like him, it was insane. Like watching him like go from hotel to like arena and like be overseas and like the airports and how people reacted to him. Like, do you remember that? Well, I'll tell you, not to to date myself, but that is the question here. When they won their first title, I was a huge baseball fan at the time and and also a big basketball fan, probably more. You're a White Sox guy, right? So you're Jerry Reinsdorf through and through. (laughs) I'm just a Jerry Reinsdorf fan. Yeah, he comes off off pretty good in the documentary, even though he maybe shouldn't, but. Um, So so I was a huge baseball fan um, and also a Bulls fan, but when they won their first title, I was eight years old. So I don't remember the first three-peat as well. Eight, nine, 10, whatever, 11. Um, by the time he retired and he came back, then I remember it very vividly. I remember watching like at least, you know, you didn't have the capability back then to watch all the regular season games, but you would watch all the playoff games. Because you, were, you were not... You were not living in Chicago for that second no. three-peat, correct? You had you were out in California. We were in okay. LA, and um, but they were still on like every Sunday or whatever it was. Yeah, they must have been su- NBA on NBC more than anybody. And so for me, maybe that's we've talked about this too because you're a little younger, but you're also just like a fan of NBA history, and you go back and watch all this stuff. Like my biggest complaint not a complaint, but the reason I wasn't like bowled over by the documentary as much as everybody else is like, I remember pretty much everything they showed. Like I would say like 95% of the information I had like known before. So it wasn't really that interesting. It was just like nostalgic, I guess. But that That's the point, right? Like very entertaining 10 hours of TV. But in terms of like, what did you learn? Like it, I didn't think it was as close to as good as like the OJ Simpson 10 parter. Like that was really good reporting and like, Right. Well, and and I think it's just hard to judge for us because, like, look, we host an NBA podcast. We're huge NBA fans. Like, it seems to me that, like, the people who enjoyed it the most were the most casual of fans or the younger fans who, like, don't remember any of it. Like, I have a bunch of, you're right. Like, I'm a couple years younger than you. And I mentioned to my wife, who actually watched in and out of a couple episodes, like, I would say that she was awake when, like, five of the 10 episodes were on. So, but she asked questions and everything. And, I remember telling her when the last episode was on, like, game six of the Bulls-Jazz 1998 finals was one of the first NBA games I remember watching. I was nine, and I remember watching all the way through. Like, I remember sitting there with my brother and my mom, like, watching that game. And I mentioned to her that, like, one of the reasons why this wasn't super exciting to me, even though I'm probably right on the cusp of people who, like, never really saw – like, I I went to Wizards-Jordan games because we were in the D.C. area. I saw Jordan – hit a buzzer beater against the Hawks. Like I saw a bunch of Jordan games when he was with the Wizards, but I have a ton of books, right? Like I have the Jordan rules, like I have rare air, like I have a bunch of Jordan books just because like, I think it's fascinating to read about the guy. And I, I have like 11 rings in the last season and sacred hoops, all the Phil Jackson stuff, just because I think the guy is fascinating. He wasn't fascinating in this. Like you he, don't think he was fascinating. I, I think that, to me, like you said, the information that we know and we have is just recycled. Like the coolest part about it was they had the footage from like the 97, 98 Bulls, which Jordan owned and he had final cut on it. Now that the, the guy, Jason Hayher or whatever, however you say his name said that like, you know, they didn't cut anything out. But if you look at like the executive producers, like SD Portnoy and Curtis Polk, like they're part of Jordan's inner circle. They work for the Hornets. Like it just wasn't a documentary that you were going to get to see 
a ton of things that you didn't already know about him if you were kind of like a Jordan historian. So like the older people, like even older than you, like let's say like 45 or right. 50, no, totally. watch like my Jordan, dad's like, generation. You're, you're likely watching that being like, yeah, it was cool to remember those moments. And it was fun to watch. Like, I mean, he's just an unbelievable tough shot maker, like in, in terms of like how good of a jump shooter he was and how good his feet were like, it's crazy. Right. Like, but other than like watching him publicly admit that he hated Isaiah Thomas or like laugh at Gary Payton, we didn't really get much else behind the curtain of Michael Jordan. I didn't think. No, but you know what? And I, I would just fall back again on like, we're not the intended audience as odd as it might be. Like we're big basketball fans. Like I even told my wife, who's not a basketball fan. I don't think she could name any bulls besides Michael Jordan. Like I said, you would probably like this documentary is like, it's, it's interesting to somebody who I had some of my friends who'd never heard about the Tony Kukoc story. Never heard about Steve Kerr's father. Those are all interesting stories on their own. It's just ones I've happened to have heard like 10 times. So it wasn't super interesting to me. And, and like, it did a good service too, because for people that don't remember, like Dennis Robin, right? Like he's a cartoon character. And if you were a lot, if you were alive and breathing and paying attention to basketball during Dennis Rodman's career, you remembered all that stuff. Like you remember him at NWO, like you remember him going to Vegas. Like, you, you know, you heard all so this what, crazy stuff. So what surprised stuff. you? Like, cause I, I have a few takeaways that like, maybe I didn't remember. I didn't know. I was very surprised at Jordan's willingness to be unprotective of some of like his grudges. Like we, we hear about them, right? Like I was very surprised that Scottie Pippen was portrayed the way that he was. And I've joked with several people in passing over the last couple of days that like, it's probably good for guys to see like Scottie Pippen gets this rap as like this amazing teammate. And he was a great number two for Michael Jordan. But in terms of being like a great teammate and who you want to be, the lasting image of him like helping Jordan off the court during the flu game. That's not who he was. Like Scottie Pippen was a very beta guy. And like, he, <laughs> I'm surprised you say that. Cause you know, there was a report by Jackie McMullen saying that Pippen really didn't like the documentary. I don't think he came across badly. Do you, I, Cause I think, you know, there was that whole section when Jordan was out, Scottie Pippen was an ideal teammate and very helpful and just sort of, you know, lifting people up rather than, you know, scaring them. I thought he was fine. And look like, I think seeing that like he didn't want to rehab his foot over the summer. No, that was bad. The last like season. he had a bad start. The sitting out the final play was really yeah. bad. The contract stuff when he signed the, doc- the deal. The documentary kind of redeemed him though when he gutted it out with a back injury. Um, Actually, that was fun to watch. I totally forgot about that, and he looked like he couldn't move. Like he played thirty-five minutes in a game where he couldn't open up his stride. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I do remember that. Um, and so I don't think it was a bad edit for him. I To the Jordan thing, like there's two criticisms, I guess, we're making the documentary that are separate. One is that it's just sort of repeating old information, which I agree it was. The other one was that it's too slanted to Jordan. Yeah, like he, he kind of made it about him under the guise that it was about how good the 97, 98 bulls were, but mainly it was like, he's the man, you know, which, which he is, he totally is, but. It was a Jordan documentary. Yeah. With that as like the framework. And I agree with you. Like there were certain times when it felt like they were just like accepting Jordan at his word for certain things that probably maybe weren't true. Like the pizza story you, you doubt still. We can talk about that for sure. Um, The gambling stuff. I don't think like they, put a definitive end to that speculation they just sort of said you know so the the rumor was he got suspended maybe for gambling if he's a huge gambler it makes some sense that he could gamble in bulls games um 
And then their defense of it was Stern wouldn't suspend the most popular player and risk the game and lose those ratings. Alternatively, he wouldn't want a massive gambling scandal to break and potentially ruin his sport. I've never bought that story that he was suspended for gambling. I, I just haven't. Like, I, I don't, I think Michael Jordan is a deep guy. Like, I think he's very sharp. I think that was the one thing about the documentary that was really good for people to see is that, like, he's very clearly an intelligent guy. He knows what he's doing. Like, his leadership style was not exactly what you would call great leadership, but it worked for him. But I don't, I don't buy that. But how about the I, fact that I could see it? I mean, I think the documentary did do a good job of showing, like, how burnt out he was in both of the retirements. Like, and it makes sense. That was like the only thing I thought that was really good was when, you know, because I don't think a lot of people remember how crazy, like when his father died and all the stuff people are saying, like it was Jordan's fault that his father got killed. And, you know, I've heard a lot of older po- folks say in the South, like, that's what you did. You just, when you retired and you were driving long distance, you pulled over at a rest stop and slept like, and he had a fancy car. Like it's, it's, I don't know, but they did a great job of showing like, that's the only time Jordan really feuded with the media, Zan. Like that he was like, I'm not going to yeah. talk to you. He didn't do that. He was the, he, as far as I'm concerned, he's the greatest of all time at handling the media. And like, that well, was, the, that was of, good to see. I thought. Yeah. Well, and they were so in bed together. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like a Shah's literally like his buddy, like hanging out with him all day. And like, who's doing <laughs> the reporting on him? Ahmad Rashad. How ridiculous was that when he was like, Ahmad, get a camera. I want to do this interview. And he did it like 15 <laughs> minutes before an NBA finals game with sunglasses on. Like great story. The, like the two illuminating things for me were just like seeing that and understanding like this is how somebody could get burnt out of playing, you know, going overseas and doing the Olympics and doing these exhibitions and deep playoff run year after year after year. And, and, and the other thing they didn't mention, but you know, fans would know, Jordan's playing eighty games a year. He's playing forty minutes, forty a minutes year. a night. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it, but it gave me a new appreciation for that. And also, in hindsight, you know, you think, how can Kobe and Shaq break up? How does how's Kevin Durant and Steph Curry break up? Like, it must be wearing to repeat as champions. I mean, it clearly, time and time again, it's like impossible to keep it going. And I think, too, you have to have the right personality be your number two, right? So, like, Horace Grant was a very good basketball player. They draft him in the same draft as Scottie Pippen. He ends up winning three titles, and then he goes and signs a big deal with Orlando. But Horace Grant didn't want to play with Mike anymore. Like, he just didn't want to play with Jordan anymore. And he wanted to get paid, and Scottie Pippen had signed a longer deal. And if he hadn't done that, who knows? But he was very good at being that number two guy, and he didn't have a problem. Whereas, like, with Kobe and Shaq, like – you knew Kobe wanted to be the alpha. Like you knew he wanted to be win six titles. So like if Shaq hadn't left, like I bet you Kobe would have left. Like it doesn't work. You don't end up with those types of marriages for so long, Zan, you know, and maybe the retirement really helped with that. Well, even the 30 for 30 on the magic, which I thought was good, Orlando magic, um, showed that Shaq was getting kind of jealous that Penny Hardaway was in commercials. Yeah, exactly. Even though he was still clearly the star of the team. Like he didn't want to share any of the spotlight. Did, did you think that I've seen this thrown around a lot? You're, you're, uh, an intellectual by trade. Did you think like it was like hagiography? Like, did you think that when you watched it, that it just idolized Jordan? I, I, and I think there's a lot of that anyway. Like, look, I'm a huge Jordan fan. Like I, I, you know, and I'm also a nerd on Reddit, like anytime, like there's this sort of mythology of Jordan, like one of NBA Reddit's favorite things to do is like, who would win team A or team B? And, and it's like, you know, mix and match like Jokic and Kawhi versus Paul George and, and Pete or whatever. 
And anytime Jordan's in a group, it's yeah. If let's say it's the Bulls versus the Dream Team, all oh, the Bulls win. They have they have Jordan. It's like it, it, you can't like knock the guy, you know, basketball wise. Um, and I certainly think that's a little overrated. I mean, look, and I've said it, I said it on the podcast with my brother Dondrick, like those Bulls teams were great, but they were like towards the end, they were, and you said in the documentary, they were like grinding out wins and like narrowly winning. Like the compared to like Kevin Durant on the Warriors, they they were like 15 and one in the playoffs or something. Like that team was much better than this team. I'm sorry. They're, they're, I, I wish, and again, you only have, you have 10 hours, which seems like a lot. I, I had a, a little bit of an issue with the structure. I thought it jumped around way too much. Like, and I, I get it. Like you're, you're kind of talking about how all those little instances in the past made Jordan who he was in that last season. Right. But like the 92, 91, 92 Knicks team, like I would have loved to see more about that series. Like they pushed them to the brink, right? Like Charles Smith makes a layup and then in 93, in 92, 93, and maybe the Bulls lose like the Pacers series, like that Pacers team was really good. One of the things I think with Jordan, and I thought they kind of glossed over this a little bit is like, I think the only like superstar that he didn't beat in his time to like knock out of the playoffs was Hakeem Olajuwon. I think he beat everybody else that was considered to be, I guess, Larry Bird, but he was kind of done by the time Jordan was like really at his peak. Like, that 86 Celtics team, like, obviously Jordan went nuts in the playoffs, but, like, he, they, he didn't beat him. But, like, he beat Isaiah. He beat Charles Barkley. He beat Magic. He beat Clyde Drexler. You know, he beat Carl Malone. He beat Reggie Miller. Like, he, he – he, I mean, he just torched Patrick Ewing so many times. They beat Shaq. Like, I just think they beat Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Like, I just think it's very interesting with him that the one argument I think you can make for him – if you are going to do these ridiculous, like, who's better, LeBron or Jordan? And, like, now people are like, oh, watching the doc, Jordan's so much better, which is absurd. Like, it, does, it doesn't mean anything. Like, the history is not different. Like, Jordan definitely did go through the best players and, like, earn his place. You know what I mean? And I thought it was interesting when Reggie Miller said that game seven of that 97-98 West Eastern Conference Finals – he thought like championship experience played a role. And that is the one thing that the Bulls had. Like they had been in those moments, they had played tough series. They had ground out games. They played low scoring games. And you did know that if you played a game in the seventies, like chances are you were going to be there at the end. Cause you did have Michael Jordan. And that that's the one thing about the documentary. I think that was the most fun to kind of like refresh my memory of is that like that guy never got tired. Like he just was so good at the end of games. And the, all the games went to the end of the games. Like, and I think that's part of a pace of like, you see these games, it's like 80 to 78. It's like, it sounds like a boring game, but I love those kind of slugfests, especially because the last shot matters, you know? And like, it's going to come down to a couple possessions at the game. And, and there was games where they're like, oh, they blew them out. And then you see the score, and it's like a five-point game. <laughs> they did say that. There was like a, it was like a 111-104 game against like the Suns. And they said they blew them out. I think it was like game two. I was like, how is that? I mean, I guess they were up 20 at one point, but... The one thing I do want to say, though, is, like, can we put to bed the whole, like, 96 Bulls versus 2016 Warriors? Like, it doesn't matter who you think would win, right? Like, it just – you, you it, it, Zan, like, how could you watch the 96 Bulls and then watch the Warriors and be like, yeah, sure, like, we can make an apt comparison between the two teams? It's a different sport can I, I i think it's clear like there's these debates that i don't even think are that close like i think the warriors were more better clearly better than these bulls i didn't see the old celtics teams in the 80s i don't know who was better in that regard um and i i don't think it's that close i mean 
LeBron versus Jordan. I don't think it's that close. I think LeBron can make an argument based on longevity by the end when it's all said and done. But I do think there is like I'm old school. Maybe that's my. But you think you're again. saying you're saying you think Jordan is better. I think than Jordan's better. I, I think he he had that edge from day one, and maybe LeBron will get there. You see that sort of now, like young LeBron versus old LeBron. Like old LeBron has more of a swagger and a killer instinct, I think. But I mean, he came up short a few times, and. And I know Jordan lost a few series, but it's different. Like scoring 63 points against the Celtics and losing is different than, you know, bombing out against like Dirk and the Mavericks. The Mavericks. I I agree with that. Like Jordan's Jordan's team, when Jordan lost, he was never favored. And LeBron losing as a favored player a few times. And it's not that close in in terms of like, um, I I think, you know, statistically, I don't know. Like you adjust for eras, you adjust, you know, defensively, I think he's much better. I think scoring, he's much better. I I think, and and the intangible, like the guy, that's like the big takeaway is like, the guy is freaking nuts. Like, you know, he's like so maniacal. And I don't think LeBron ever had that. He cares a lot about winning, but he doesn't have that like, I'm going to murder you edge. That's that's very true. Okay, so let's talk about that for a second, right? Because that's been the biggest thing that people I think have realized is Michael Jordan was maybe not a great, I won't want to say he wasn't a great human being because like it's fine. Like there there are some other characters in the documentary that maybe aren't actually good people. Jordan is just kind of like a jerk to his teammates and to the people around him. Do you think his style plays in today's NBA? Not his not his play style, but like do you think his locker room demeanor? Because we are, and I think it's destructive. And uh. Like like Kobe, you know, emulated it and kind of. He's the only guy. He's the only guy, really, that's been able to do it like that. Nobody else, no other star, has really had that. Like you have guys that are hard workers, and you have guys that push their teammates. Like Damian Lillard comes to mind as a guy like that, but you don't have the whole like LeBron. You know, he he never did it that way, right? He had like the celebrations, the camera shit before the game, like. Yeah, and I'll I'll take it a step further. Like I don't like the idea of like exceptionalism excusing like greatness it's greatness excusing behavior it's like and i living in la like you see it all the time like oh so-and-so is a huge asshole and he's he's abusive to people but he's a genius you gotta let him do it you know it's like i don't like that sort of attitude that excuses bad behavior um and look there's a difference between jordan like bullying teammates and like abusing interns or something like that but in general like i think you can have it both ways like somebody like tim duncan i don't know from what we understand, he's just like, he buys in. And I would much rather prefer that personality type than the guy who's going to alienate everybody. Um, it's it's kind of like the Tom Brady thing, right? Like you see him get fiery, but at the end of the day, he's not like, he'll yell at you if you're not ready and he expects you to be really good, but he also is not like belittling you. Like Jordan, <laughs> is, I thought this was funny, Zan. Like, we never got to hear any times where people really stood up to him except for Steve Kerr, right? That was the only time we kind of heard. I know there was a Bill Cartwright incident early and, in his yeah, career. Yeah, Horace Grant apparently was upset that he didn't think he got, like, bossed around. Yeah, and then Robert Parrish, that's kind of come out where in 96, like, Parrish was like, yo, man, you're not going to talk to me like this. Like, I've won rings too. And Jordan was like, I'll kick your ass. And Parrish was like, you're not going to do that. Like, and we don't get to hear that. So it was almost like it was Jordan – and how great he was at like driving his teammates. And then we also got to hear how great he was with like his security guards and like the arena guys and how he was great with fans and and that stuff's all true. But I wish 
I think the the underrated part of the documentary, and we can get to Jerry Krause in a second, but like the Phil Jackson part of this is what I would have liked to see more of. Yeah, I thought Phil came across extremely well. Really well, right? But it was more so about how Phil coached, you know, Scotty and coached Dennis Rodman and, and coached all of them to like lift up Michael. Like, did we not get to hear Phil talk about like... I think we did enough because I think there's a certain amount of like you know, kumbaya stuff. There's not that, you know, I would like to have known a little bit more like tactically, like how good of a coach he is. I don't know. Um, clearly good about managing different personalities. Um, you know, on our, the, there's a hit um, podcast called MTV's the challenge accepted that, that's on the underdog network. And one of the segments that we do there is like stock up and stock down, like based on this episode, did you like this person more or less? And so I'd be curious about your opinion. So Phil Jackson, I would have said like he stock way up because he seems like a, a guru of coaching at least. It's it's funny, right? Because I Jordan loved Doug Collins. Like he really liked Doug Collins because Doug Collins put the ball in his hands and then they get Phil in and Jordan's not super excited about it. And then all of a sudden by 98, he's like, I'm not playing with anybody other than Phil. And I think like that's the biggest type of I want to say like that's the best praise you can get. No, totally. Because Jordan at that point just won MVP, just won the title. The idea that he doesn't want to come back with any other coach when he's clearly like, he's not on the top of his game, but he's on the top of the game. You know, like he's still the best player. And and I would say too with Phil, you know, his stock had been down to the general public because of the Knicks. So getting a chance to see what Phil was really good at. And, and you know, they, they, they talked about the triangle and they showed it a little bit, but they didn't get in depth about like what the triangle is and why it was successful with Jordan and Pippen and Shaq and Kobe. It's not an offense you really run anymore. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because the floor doesn't stay spaced, but also they ran a ton of ball screens at the end of sessions anyway, and that didn't get brought up either. But I'd say like watching how Phil hand, handled Dennis Rodman, like that in a nutshell was what made Phil Jackson so successful is that he coached players so differently. I'm glad you mentioned the Knicks thing because like younger fans like, James Dolan, what a clown. He trusted Phil Jackson and what an idiot. He's so out of touch. It's like Phil Jackson was like the greatest coach of this era, obviously. And meanwhile, a decade later, goes and wins five more titles with a totally different team. And so you're telling me that you're trusting this guy to run your basketball team? Like who else would you trust? He seems like the greatest basketball like mind of this generation why wouldn't you give this guy leash isn't the big mistake that the bull that the knicks made is that like you maybe overestimated the fact that like phil jackson probably wasn't an elite talent evaluator as much as he was more of like an elite personality evaluator like you need to put the talent around him and he will use that talent to the absolute best of his ability more so than like Phil's going to go out and say like, yeah, let's go get Judd Bushler. Like that guy's going to be really good for us. Does that make sense? Right. Totally. And you think like that, well, that brings us to, although in Phil's credit, remember they wanted to hire Steve Kerr as the coach and, and he just went to Golden State. I don't know if that would have changed anything, but he also, if I recall correctly, like, didn't they want to hire John? He wanted John Paxson in some role as well. Right. Cause John Paxson was, I want to say, like, he tried to get him to the Lakers. I don't know. I, he has a good relationship with John well, Let's talk about the team builder. Stock up or stock down for Jerry Krause, like the most infamous figure in this documentary. Disappointing portrayal of Jerry Krause, I would say. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on. And obviously, I mean, the, the, they didn't actually get into as much as I thought they would about how much Pippen hated Jerry Krause. Like, because that's where, you know, in the Jordan rules and stuff, like Jordan and Pippen were both really ruthless to him. And like Jordan you know, always made jokes about how like he wasn't a player and, you know, Jerry 
definitely was very sensitive and wanted people to realize that like, Hey, he did a lot. And he did like, he absolutely did. Right. Like he gets, yeah, Scottie and Pippen. he gets credit. They say greatest GM ever. He, he built this team, two different teams, really. I mean, and he, and, and think about it, like they're only holdovers, right? So we're Jordan and Pippen to, to carry over those two eras. And like, I think he, he brought in Phil Jackson, like he kind of found Phil. And I think that was why, he was super upset that like Phil was getting a lot of credit. It was very weird how he handled the last dance, I would say in the sense that like they announced it. Totally. And announced- he, he comes to the villain, comes the villain partly because I think the the doc needed a villain. Um, and they've painted him in unflattering light. Like we, I said it with my brother, like literally like they found like the most unflattering like shots of him. And like showed him like in close up, like with tri- triple chins, like cackling and, like the and, penguin. And they didn't like get into the fact that like they called him crumbs because he always had crap on his shirt. And like they used to get mad that he always wanted to ride the team bus. Like they want, they acted like he wanted to be around the cool kids. But like one thing about Jerry Krause is like, I mean, he kind of manages an NBA team like you would see a, a, a team be managed now. Like where the coach has some input, but the front office does. Right. No, that's the, true. And And I think that like, Although, although the disregard for the players is different, like you would not l- treat players as interchangeable pieces nowadays. Are you sure? Star players, he, I'm telling players. You, but it, it's very funny. Like you mentioned about how you were a baseball fan. Like he, he is more of a baseball GM, I would say, than he is a basketball GM because he did view it like that. Like, all right, you get your your Michael Jordan, you get your Scottie Pippen, and then you're like, okay, well, we can fill in everything else around those guys. And he was able to do that several times. And the last season, like Jordan was making $33 million and you still had to, and Dennis was making nine and, you know, you still had to figure out a way to fill out the roster with capable players. And like he drafts Tony Kukoc and he patted himself on the back for that. And he was super excited, but he's right. Like nobody thought Tony Kukoc was going to come over and he gets Tony at 25 who ends up being, you know, a huge member of their second three Pete. He gets Luke Longley, who was a very good player from 96 to 98. And I think that Jerry deserves some credit because no, he definitely does. Well, and also like you see the good and bad in the sense that like, and these, it's not like, like he didn't draft Michael Jordan. He did not. Rod Thorne, shout out to a legend. But no one really deserves credit for drafting. Jordan, you went third. He was probably expected to go there. You know, he was a clear star. Well, you know that like they, they, they wanted to trade, like there was a trade on the table for like tree Rollins, Jordan for tree Rollins. There was a trade on the table with the Clippers for like, the sixth pick and the 11th pick, like the bulls weren't sold on Jordan. They wanted a big man. Like they wanted a center. That was actually a great moment. I forgot who said it, it was a Dr. J or somebody in the, the first few episodes where they said, you know, Jordan can't turn this team around. He's just a wing. Yeah. Um, I, it might've been, it was like something like kind of shocking because he's not seven feet. He can't turn the team around. Um, so, but Krauss doesn't get credit for Jordan, but he deserves a huge amount of credit for all his other picks were like long shots, like, you know, Pippen coming from a small school, Rodman being over the hill, presumably at that point. Phil Jackson, as you mentioned, was a completely random name. He wasn't like a famous guy. He wasn't a hot prospect. He was like coaching in the Filipino league or whatever. Um, so, and I think that was part of his problem though, Kraus is like- He wanted more credit. Yeah, he had hit so many home runs that he kind of wanted to keep continually prove himself. Like now I've got Tim Floyd, that's my next home run. And I'm going to- blow up this team and I'm going to find the next gem in the rough in the, in the draft and I can keep doing it. And you can't, you know, you can't keep doing that over and over again. You know, they drafted the year after the last dance. Do you know off the top of your head? 
I know they eventually drafted Kurt, I mean Chandler and Well, they did Elton Brand the the second year when they had the worst record in the league, right? And which Kraft, is, yeah, which is like a safe pick and, and they traded him. And Cross deserves credit, right? Because here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. Jordan, a lot of people don't know this, but it's been mentioned now. And if you've been on social media, you know he cut his finger with a cigar cutter after the season. And with the lockout, he, he may not have played in 98-99. Pippen's back was like a legitimate problem. So they end up signing and trading Pippen, Pippen to Portland, right? So he gets $20 million more. That was kind of like his parting gift, and they did that. Rodman played like 35 more games in his entire career. Luke Longley goes to Phoenix. He's done in two years on a huge deal. I think he signed for like $10 million. So like, I think he knew that like it was going to be really hard to repeat. And I think Jerry was doing the thing where he's like, I'm going to reject you before you reject me. So instead of them losing with Michael Jordan, he knew like, all right, I can get this rebuild in and I can get a couple more years out of this because this team is done. And I, I, I agree. I agree and disagree. Like I agree with that. Like, I think the team was old, over the hill, declining. They still had Jordan in his prime. I mean, he was still really close good. enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still really good. Could they have won next year? I don't know. I would guess not, but well, let's say they lose in the finals. Is that a failure? I don't know. I mean, um, so much of the mystique of this team is that they went 6-0 and in the NBA right. finals. Is it not? But, like, like, Jordan doesn't get the, any – nobody ever talks about the fact that they lost to Orlando because he only played 40 games that season or whatever, you know? But, like, the, the team was clearly, like, needed some spark. They were declining. Um, Sort of like Miami Heat when they were, you know, that ex- last year that the Where team the, wasn't good enough. And the Spurs were just better than them. Yeah. And yeah. so that could have happened. They could have gotten smoked by a younger team. Same with Shaq and Kobe had that ugly last finals. And that um, Knicks team might have been, you know, because the Pacers were just about as good as them. And they end up losing to the Knicks in the playoffs. And the Knicks were the eighth seed, if I remember, but they were really good the second half of the year. Just like they took a little while to get back to in shape. And then the, the Spurs won, right? Like they, that was Tim Duncan's rookie year. And the Spurs win the title. But that, so I, I told you to give me some notes to remind myself. And I mentioned Kawhi Leonard. Um, my point was going to be this. I agree with the idea. This team is old. We need to look to the future. But if you have like a title caliber team and you want to like add a spark or keep it going and you know you need something like the, the solution isn't to blow it up and start from scratch. I mean, the, the solution is kind of what the Spurs did when they had Tim Duncan aging and Tony Parker aging and managed nobody aging. You draft somebody like Kawhi Leonard and you develop him and you, you know, it gets better and better. And suddenly he's the star of your team now. Um, Trivia question. What year, what pick was Kawhi Leonard? Wasn't it 15 or something? 15. Like the, the, that Jordan, they never picked there. Right. And, and the bulls never really, and maybe this is a Phil Jackson issue more than Jerry Krause, but they never really developed out after Pippen. Did yeah, they really Hor- Pippen and Hor- star? Yeah, Pippen and Horace Grant. Those two guys became very good NBA players, and it never really happened after that. And if you re- and if you remember, right, they were thinking about that team not winning with Jordan, like him losing. I think he lost twenty of twenty five playoff games at a certain point that we never really talk about. And they lost to the Pistons that second year. And you're exactly right. Like I think the Bulls thought they didn't have enough. They didn't. They, and they, I don't know if they still did. Like they were never a soup stacked super team in my mind. I agree. It was with sort that. of like that Phil Jackson model where it's like you have your superstars and then you fill it with these sort of old role players. And you can play that way because it's so slow and Jordan can right. use so many possessions. Like remember Shaq and Kobe were playing with like Medvedenko and like, you know, all these like but, random player, Luke Walton, I, you know. I mean, they did him. they did that because 
I want to say the luxury tax in 99, he could like Jerry Buss wouldn't pay it. So like they didn't have, like they had to get rid of Eddie Jones. They had to get rid of Eldon Campbell. Like they were able to get Glenn Rice on the cheap. Then they signed Carl Malone. They signed Gary Payton. But yeah, like they, they had a similar type style where they had like one third guy. And then like, you know, Devin George ends up being a good rotation player. Or Derek Fisher is like a perfect example, like very limited player, but does a, a specific role. Um, you know, but so I agree with Jerry Krause in terms of the skepticism about the current team. I just didn't agree with him about the solution. It, and, he didn't need to do it. Right. Well, and also it's like they they wrote about his, but he wrote his own book, which you can, you can read his life. Unreleased, about. unreleased memoir. Yeah. But some of his it was family like, not too happy with his portrayal. <laughs> but like you could say he mentioned like Luke Longley was going to get expensive. You know, he mentioned in the book. Steve Kerr would have gotten expensive. Judd Bushler would have gotten expensive. That's not really like if you if you're worried about paying Judd Bushler, like you're you're a little, yeah, you're micromanaging a little bit. And also, these guys are all free agents. Like you're not going to be able to trade Luke Longley in a contract year for anything really special. He sort of set up this team to only be able to compete through 1998 unless he was able to sign guys. You know, and, and Jordan like to his credit, okay, gets on the air and he's got his cigar and he's all excited about, like, if you told Scottie Pippen to take a one-year deal, he would do it. If you told Dennis to do it, we don't know that, though. No, I, I don't think Scotty. I don't think, think Scotty would have. And Jordan's not going to play without Scotty. Like, he's not going to. The two possible, uh, there was a rumored Pippen for Sean Kemp trade. That got, that got, uh, that got slant, that got nixed, though. Yeah, but would you think that would have been smart? Sean Kemp eventually... No petered out by the, the time he was 30. The most beautiful part about Jordan playing with Pippen is that Pippen was the best player in the NBA to guard Michael Jordan. Like, I'm serious. Like, I know Nate McMillan was really good, and he talks about how good Joe Dumars was, and, you know, that the Pistons really bothered him. And in Seattle did a great job on him in 95, 96. But, like, the best part about having Scottie Pippen is that another team didn't have Scottie Pippen to guard Michael Jordan. I think that was one of the biggest parts of it. Keep going with stock up, stock down. Well, okay. What about Scotty? Because like I, I, th- I thought Scotty came across better than I guess he thinks he did. Stock neutral for me. I'm, um, I'm going to hold the Scotty stock. I, I just think like he is who he is. You know, I, I think that he doesn't get credit to me for being an all-time great player. But also, I don't buy the Martyr Act because I guarantee you he made a lot more money off the court as Michael Jordan's sidekick than he would have as like, let's just say he's like the best player on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like he's not the same guy. Like right. Scottie Pippen was so many people's favorite player because they didn't want their favorite player to be Michael Jordan. He had his own signature shoe. Like I get that he signed a bad contract and Reinsdorf claimed that he told him not to sign it. That That's something I didn't know. That was like my one, like I didn't know his backstory. Maybe I did at the time, but uh, you know, his family's poor, his dad's disabled. His brother's that's why disabled. He signed, yeah. signed a long-term contract. Um, that's another Jerry Krause, like baseball thing where you try to sign these really young guys to very below market deals before they hit free agency, because you know that they need to do it. Like the Braves did it with Robert or with Ronald Acuna the, the, last year. Where like you know they're going to take the money, so you sign them to this super long deal where the like the last number looks good, but by the time they get like halfway through the deal and the caps jump like a hundred percent, the contract's total shit. Can I make give a hot take as a Bulls fan? It's hard to say. I think Scotty's kind of become gone from underrated to overrated historically because it's like clearly one of the best defenders ever, huge part of the team. I know a lot of young people who are like, 
oh, you know, he was a top three player in the league at the time. Like he was never perceived that yeah, way. Second best player in the NBA. That's just not, I mean, it, it, especially because like of how good like Charles Barkley, Hakeem Olajuwon, like Clyde Drexler was awesome when Jordan like ripped his heart out. Like Scotty was never. And he, and he had limit. It wasn't like he was held back by Jordan. He was to some degree, but he just wasn't a great scorer. And he peaked at 22 points a game. You know, he never got to the line a lot. He wasn't a great shooter. I, I told you he's to me. If you want to compare him, like, I think he's very similar to Ben Simmons. Like, I think that's who they are. He's maybe a little bit of a better shooter than Ben and probably not as dynamic of a passer. But if you look at them, like, body type and what they do, it's probably who he's the most similar to. Yeah, and, and I would call him in his day top 10 player, but, like, the tail end of the top 10. Like, I, and I, historically, you'll see people rank him in the top 10 all time just because he can do a little of everything. Um, he checks a lot of boxes. But, look, like, you talk about a guy like even Carl Malone, like look at his career. It's he was so ridiculous. impressive. He was so good. He was so good. And and I'll tell you, stock up, Carl Malone. I know people don't like his off the field stuff, off the court stuff. He has the little drama with the, <laughs> the underage girl. The NBA Finals videos. That guy's getting freaking buckets. <laughs> and also, he has a reputation being such an ass. And he congratulated them. On classy. The and yes, like, my. My wife Carl was, Malone underrated historically right now as a my, pl- basketball player. Yeah, he never gets mentioned in like the top 10 or 15. And I, I would say that like I like Tim Duncan better than him in terms of like power fours. I probably like Kevin Garnett better than him too. But my wife was like very impressed by that. She was like, is that Carl Malone? Is he on their bus? And I was like, look, Carl Malone's a bad person. Let's not get into it. But, I, but you know, the other thing about Carl Malone's stock up, he refused to be interviewed for the documentary. Oh, really? Him and, him and Brian Russell were the two guys that did not want to get sit down and be interviewed. I've seen a lot of younger fans like say like Dirk Nowitzki's better than Carl Malone because he won a title and Dirk's pretty good. That's a good one. Dirk's good, but like Carl Malone was averaging twenty points up until age thirty nine and playing good defense up until age forty. I mean, like he's he's amazing. I remember him scoring fifty against. I don't remember if they were the Pelicans or the Hornets at that time. I honestly don't remember, but I remember him like scoring 50 in a game, like in the mid, in like the very early 2000s, where I was like, this dude's 38 years old right now. And honestly, a lot of people don't remember, but like in 2004 with the Lakers, he was really good. He just had a back injury. And so he started so much later and like he just never kind of got as good as he could be. But he really was a great third option on that Lakers team that ends up losing to the Pistons. And I don't know. I I don't know that I buy stock up for him, but it, it, watching him you forget well you forget like I mean think about it like no one ever compared like Zion to Carmelone right they, they, and Blake Griffin never really got compared to him because Carmelone wasn't like an unbelievably explosive leaper when people watched him but if you watch his like ability to make like mid-range shots and like post guys and go through them like he was a physical specimen like he looks more like Blake Griffin than anybody does he just didn't play that way because nobody played that way he was he was a beast and but what do you think about Malone and, and Pippen and what we're saying about Jordan? Like it's an old school sort of people laugh at it. Now the idea of clutch, the idea of like finals being different than the regular season. I kind of believe it. Like I don't, I think Carl Malone is missing that. I think Pippen is missing that to some degree. I think LeBron is missing it a little bit compared to Jordan. Like, do you agree with that? Or are you sort of like, it's all the same fluky, whether you win in the finals or not, well, you know? I don't think it's fluky, but I do think Jordan is the best player. And I think the best player is going to win more often than not. Now I, I will say like, do you the, think if, if the, clips, the, if the finals records were reversed, would you say LeBron's the best ever? I guess. Right. I mean, you know that I, I sometimes think that now, but I, I will say this, like 
the clips that were cool to watch, right? Jordan telling Steve Kerr, like, Steve, they're going to double me, like, be ready. Because he was like, I remembered Stockton doubled me. And then him being like, you know, they ran this play for Carl Malone, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be on the weak side, and he gets a big strip. Like, those, those plays were cool. Like, the John Paxson, like, his pass to Horace Grant to, like, hockey assist for John Paxson against the Suns, like, those were very cool things to see. And, like, that kind of shows you – the one thing about Jordan – just bear with me for a second as I, as I flesh this out. But like the one thing about Jordan is like, he never, you know, LeBron gets all this amazing credit. Like LeBron and Kobe get so much credit for how high their basketball IQs are. Right. Saying like they talk about like plays off the court, like LeBron knows where everyone's supposed to be, whatever. But it was like with Jordan, you never really heard that. Right. You never heard his basketball IQ was super high. He just was, you know, he was an amazing athlete. Like he wanted it more than everyone else. He cared more than everyone else. But like, it was fun to like watch and be like, yeah, no shit. Like this guy is an unbelievable basketball player, like his feel and like his ability to finish and get to spots on the floor and like make better decisions for himself. Like why did that get lost in the shuffle? Like, why is it all of a sudden like, Oh, LeBron always makes the right play. Like Jordan makes the right play. Jordan makes the right play for himself. A mid range jumper for him is probably a better play for their team than a mid range jumper for LeBron. I just thought like those clips needed to be shown more because I think the appreciation of Jordan as a basketball player at this point has just become like his mystique and like his dunking. Whereas like, if you watch more of Jordan's games, like unbelievable defender, tremendous playmaker for a guy who scored as much as he did. And then like really a a pretty good team basketball player. And like, we don't, see that ever you know you don't no, hear sure. that like and, and defensively too you know very smart and when to gamble when not to yeah I mean that play on Carl Malone was like you don't do that unless you're sure you're gonna make that strip right and Jordan just knew it like he, he knew it and that's again like that's that's why he's yeah that strip is more impressive than the shot right don't absolutely yeah a hundred percent like I because I, I thought too the other thing that was impressive was like Phil Jackson we've talked about this I think on the air but like I am a big fan of like, when you have an old team, you don't call timeout, let them play. Like if you have Michael Jordan in, in year, whatever it is, year. And 15, that was not like the common logic at the no, time. No, it wasn't. Remember they called timeout the year before to get the shot for Steve Kerr. Like, cause we saw that. So, you know, I thought it was funny. Like another stock up is like, so clearly Dennis Rodman, like everybody wants to see it. Dennis really? I, I was going to say not. I, I don't want to do that. I mean, it's, it's you, but you knew all this stuff about Dennis. Yeah, that's true. I actually, I didn't really remember him to be honest, to be fair. I don't remember him taking off during the regular season and just partying. Um, I, you know, infamously Bill Simmons pundit called him like a non-interesting athlete or something. And then he got a lot of flack for that. And I kind of know what he means in this sense. Like, I don't think there's a lot going on upstairs with Dennis Rodman. And I, and I think a lot of like his persona is manufactured to like make himself seem interesting in the same way that like Terrell Owens, like I'm T.O. Like, meanwhile, he, he never says anything interesting. He's just sort of like dumb. Do you think that Dennis, do you think his persona is manufactured? I think the yeah, media think so. gives him more credit than he's due, but I don't think Dennis is doing any, like I agree with the Terrell Owens thing. He does things for appearances a hundred percent. Do you think Dennis is doing things for appearances? I just don't think he cares. I think he, I think it's a, a little bit of like a show. It's a little WWE. It's, it's like Floyd Mayweather too. Like, you know, the boxer, he's like an extremely skilled, boring to watch boxer. Very stupid. Also a terrible human being. A terrible human being. But he's also like, look, like no one really cares about me. I'm not like a lovable Rocky 
So I'm going to be like the bad guy. I'm going to be flamboyant and like get attention that way. I, I don't really buy the <laughs> like, I guarantee like if you were at the club with Madonna and Carmen Electra and you were in Vegas and he's on drugs and everyone's just partying and you talk to Dennis Rodman, he would just stare blankly at the wall. Like, I don't think he has anything going on. I, I will say this though. If you were talking, it was, we've now seen all this like, Hey, which guy would you want to see another documentary like this on? And I wouldn't pick any current players. I think we know too much about him already. Like you, you just have so much information about him because of social media and everything like that. But like, Dennis Rodman's actual story. As well, they did a how, documentary on him. There yeah. was a 30 for 30. Recently, there was a 30 right? for 30 on him. Yeah. yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like his actual story is probably the most impressive thing. There was a scripted movie about him actually. Yeah. Did you ever see that? Was he starred in it himself or something? I didn't, I like, didn't, I didn't see it, but I, I saw I just, it. It was, it was wild. like his like pre-basketball career is very odd. Too. I guess what I would say about Dennis is that the, the the reason it's so good to have him in the documentary is because you need to show how locker rooms work, like how locker room dynamics are, right? And you needed to show that because of Dennis, like Phil Jackson, to me, that was how good he was, right? Is that like you knew you had Dennis Robin and you knew that like you just can't push him for 82 games and you knew that like Jordan's going to try to push him and like you, you knew that. But Phil was going to be like, look, I'm a little bit of a free spirit myself. I kind of recognize that like Dennis doesn't need to be at practice for game five of the NBA finals. It's not that important because his role is never going to change. And so that to me, I thought was the biggest part of having Dennis in there is if you're watching to try to learn something, it's that like, if you have a guy who's a little bit different, instead of like suppressing who he is, you kind of have to let him go a little bit. Within reason, right? Like if Dennis Rodman's like, when he's like kicking photographers and stuff, like that's not okay. No, of course. And then, but you also say like, no one was looking to him for leadership on the team. Like they have Jordan, they have Pippen, sort of the yin and yang, good cop, bad cop. And Rodman is just sort of like the sideshow, like whatever. Like I'm sure the average guy, like whoever it is, like I'm looking up their roster, like Jason Caffey, like the young guy. It's like, he's not he's not concerned about like what Dennis Rodman, he's not thinking I could do that. He's like, I have to do what Jordan's doing. Um, yeah. Scott Burrell the same way. Like, you know, they, they, yeah, they Scott really, got a lot of time actually. Yeah. Stock up Scott Burrell, S- Southern Connecticut state uh, college head coach. Now. Do you he's think probably, it's stock up? He just got made fun of all the time. I think it's good. First of all, I don't know if you remember this, but like Scott Burrell had a couple like double digit scoring seasons. In the I NBA. liked him a lot yeah. at the time. He was but, like a good shooter, pretty good defender. I, I think for guys like him, you know, like Bill Wennington, I, I very much enjoyed his talking heads. I thought they were good. Steve Kerr, obviously, so much of the same that you get from him now. I, I don't think like he was stock up or stock down, but well, can, really actually, can, I, can I talk about Scott, Steve Kerr? Because I had such a different reaction to him than everyone else. I think he's like the most likable guy. He is so, I totally agree. He's so likable. Like, even it's back then, like even when he was like winning as a role player, he's like funny at the speech, you know, he, humble at the speeches. But some people think he's like phony or something. Like, I agree. I, I know what you're saying, right? That it's like he gets up and he speaks about social justice and people are just like, shut up, Steve Kerr. Like you're a millionaire and like you're an NBA player, NBA head coach. Like I thought him getting that moment in the documentary was the best thing that Michael Jordan did was allowing people who don't know why Steve Kerr is the way he is to, to, to shed some light on that. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was the best part of the documentary, honestly. Well, I see. I knew that all that stuff too. So it wasn't as good. I know you did too, but, um, but I'll say this, if I was a player, superstar role player, like if any coach, I would pick Steve Kerr because I just, 
believe everything he's saying. And and some people don't, you know, it's like Mayor Pete Buttigieg. A lot of people watch him and they're like, he seems phony to me. I'm like, I believe what he's saying. I believe what Steve Kerr is saying every time he speaks. Let me ask you this. Hall of Fame voting next year. No. Steve Kerr, is he getting voted into the Hall of Fame? As a coach or a player? Well, you get it's both. I mean, it's, it's both. both. Oh, you sure. Then if it's both, then sure. But he um, he's definitely needs to go in as a Hall of Fame coach, does he not? Like three titles. Yes. He, he was really good as a you know president of basketball operations in Phoenix. Obviously, like his playing career, you know, he won five titles, right? He ran three with the Bulls or four with the Bulls, uh, and then his, one his with one San Antonio. Mistake. His one mistake was not like retiring after Durant left because you can just see the writing <laughs> on the wall is probably this team's about to tank. Um, it's, it's always it, interesting though with a guy like Steve Kerr, right? Like he wants to coach, I think, because his health has not been great. Like his back was legitimately a problem, and yeah, I think that he it would have been a great opportunity for him to pull a Phil Jackson and step aside, and then like wait and pick your spot. Maybe yeah. maybe you know you land a super lottery pick and then you come back to coaching or whatever. It's, like it's very funny, right? I think there are a lot of coaches that are not super intelligent, right? I think there's a, I, I've I don't remember who said this, but there's a lot of there was like a, a writer at one point who was like, you know, if college football didn't exist, there'd be a lot more gym teachers in the South or something. But like Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr, like those dudes, like they are really smart. Like real, I mean, Phil Jackson knew like Jerry Reinsworth called him was like, come back and coach another year. And there was no way Phil was going back. He wasn't going to coach a bad team. Like he's not going to wreck what he's got going because he comes back to Lakers. He can make $10 million a year. Right. Like he, and Steve Kerr is the same way. I think, I just think Steve Kerr doesn't think he has anything to prove. He just seems so fucking comfortable with who he is. And, and he's so like, he, and this is why maybe people think he's phony and I don't, but like, I think his humility is genuine. Like he, he mentioned one they you know, he won with golden state and they're doing so well. And he's like, the key for looking like a great coach is picking the job basically. And if he went to the Knicks, he would have been, you know, maybe a failure. And if he went to <laughs> the warriors, you can win a title. Um, I just, yeah. I, and also like the toughness, you know, I liked seeing like, you know, he's a little white Jordan. guy yeah like basically like little white guys or little guys in general you're like oh he's he's a little wimp like you have to be really tough to make it in the nba as like a six you footer you know you like, those, I, like I, john I, stockton it was like a tough guy yeah i we didn't get enough you know obviously like malone didn't want to be interviewed i totally get it like whatever brian russell didn't want to be interviewed i totally get it <laughs> he actually played with jordan later on in his career but you know, him and like Craig Elo are the two like most synonymous with like Jordan ripped your soul out or whatever, even though he did it to so many guys. But uh, I didn't think we got enough John Stockton. I, I thought it would have been more interesting because like he was on the dream team. Like when we got him in the dream team documentary, don't get me wrong, but like, and the jazz were so good. Like the jazz were the best team in the NBA that 97, 98 year. And I would have really been interested to see, you know, cause they lost to Seattle the year that the first title of the second three-peat and then they they kind of roll through the playoffs they they beat a really good Rockets team that had like Charles Barkley Clyde Drexler Hakeem Kevin Willis like I was surprised we didn't get more Stockton because he was a he was a huge star like he really was yeah and you know like there's all this the two things you kind of miss make me nostalgic about that era um one we mentioned uh, you know low scoring games just in the sense that every possession mattered felt like it mattered um and sort of like, you know, now there's load management. We get it. It makes sense. Got it. Carl Malone played 82 games up until age 40. John Stockton play, played 80, started 82 games at age 40. So how is it working back then? I mean, he manages minutes towards the end, but 
why, you know, like I, I miss that. I miss guys trying to play every game. And, and, you know, the other thing too, and like, this is the one thing that I think is not necessarily LeBron's fault, but it's kind of gets thrown at him obviously. Cause he went to play with the heat, but guys stayed on the same team. Right. So like, if you were Jordan, you got several shots at the bad boys. If you were Jordan, you got a shot at magic with the Lakers. You know, you got a shot at Charles and Phoenix. Like when those teams were good, like you got Clyde Drexler was still on the trailblazers. Like you got a shot at him. And, and you know, that didn't really happen at the end of that, you know, you got Reggie Miller, whatever. He was kind of the last guy, right? Like Reggie Miller and Paul Pierce, but even Pierce went to Brooklyn. Like, but like nobody stays on the same team their whole career anymore. It's like Kobe's the last guy that's done it. And I don't know that we're, you, you know, miss, I, I miss that certainly like you want freedom of movement, but you but, just but wish you that. knew you knew you were going to get the same types of rivalries around stars, right? Like, like Patrick Ewing got eliminated by Jordan four times, but it was fun to watch the Knicks well, and Bulls. Like that, those are big rivalries. I can see an argument both ways. Let me ask you this. Like, what do you miss? So, Let's start with the longevity or just the, you know, playing every day. Like I just looked it up. LeBron James played 82 games in one season his last year in Cleveland. Um, actually led the league in minutes, weirdly. Uh, he, he, did eight, he played 82 games one time. John Stockton played 82 games in 15 separate seasons. Um, do you miss that? Do you think it's a, it's a huge problem with the NBA that guys are playing 70 games now? And this is a good, this is a good argument because I, as you know, and we've, I think we've talked about this a little bit in baseball too, where like people think like the shift is ruining baseball and like just strikeouts and homers. And like, I am much more interested in watching a game be played to the best potential. Like I want to see guys make shots. I want to see, you know, I want to get to the finals and watch Kawhi Leonard against Kevin Durant. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. Like, that's exciting to me, though, right? Like, I want to see LeBron in the finals. I, I want him to be there. I want to see James Harden make it there, and it's not going to happen probably. But I'm okay with guys in the league evolving and realizing, like, hey, this is a better way to coach so that we get the best possible results at the end. I'm okay with that. But didn't – I mean, Carmelo played a long time. Stockton played a long time. Some dudes are just Bird got hurt. Some guys are just freaks, man. Like Bill Walton. Like he, I mean, he might have been one of the best ten players of all time, and we got what? Right, five healthy seasons. That's true. Um, and you know, logically, it makes sense. You should play like, and who knows, maximize your career. But and and Jordan too. Like he ends up going to play baseball, which we didn't even really talk about because it's been it's been hashed out a ton of times. The only thing that was crazy was Jerry Reinsdorf admitting, and this was out there at the time, but that like he paid Jordan his Bulls contract to play minor league baseball. So it was like very obvious Jordan was coming back at a certain point. But, you know, like if he doesn't take that time off and play a low impact sport for 18 months, do we see Jordan play at the level that we do from 96 to 98? I, I'm thinking probably not. No, I, and I don't think like you can just pencil it in. They would have won eight titles. I think no, he would have. He, he would, they wouldn't have. I don't think they would have. Right. You yeah. had, you would have to bet against it. They've played so many games. Like, right. And then, it, then you wonder, would they even won six? Like what if they would have gotten petered out and then scored that last year, would they have the energy? To me, the one thing that this documentary did really well for Michael Jordan was it just, it furthered the mystique of who he was. And like I said, it was the, the most impressive thing to recall was that like, you know, he's in Paris and he's getting mobbed. It's like, he was a super, the biggest star in the world. Like, I don't know that anybody like Michael Jackson maybe was as big a star as him. I, I, I don't know that anyone else was right. Like that. Cause you never, you didn't know anything about Mike. You only saw 
the guy walking to the arena on the court in like a random commercial. And then he was gone. Like he, he had no private life access to anybody in the public eye. So like that part was cool to see. Cause you just don't see that anymore. It's not the way life is. And that part was great to watch. And I think, you know, Jordan sold himself a lot more sneakers with people watching it and being like, damn, this dude is as cool as we think. Right. Well, let me ask like, you one more. Like, do you miss it? You mentioned with the bad boys, dirty, tough team, Nick, same thing. They didn't mention it, but Stockton's a little dirty too. Like time and time again, they're these sort of the tough teams, the good teams were like kind of hard fouling. Do you miss that in the playoffs now? Yeah, I do. Honestly, I, I think that, I think player safety is important. As you know, I don't necessarily think that we need to be like, totally protecting guys for getting fouled hard like we've done so many things you know like we've we've got hand checks now and guys are so big and strong like I I just even remember like you remember like Brendan Haywood like hip checking LeBron back in the day and giving like oh he's trying to hurt me interview like that was cool like that's good for basketball I think because I don't know I I just think the NBA wants the same guys to win all the time and and they were lucky that Jordan was able to kind of make it through that because he became this kind of like mythical guy and I just think that it would be better if we had more on-court rivalries because listen this this whole bullshit about like the the guys in the 80s and 90s didn't like each other is totally not true like Jordan's playing golf with Danny Ainge in the middle of a playoff series like they they liked each other but the on-court rivalries like those existed like Jordan hates Isaiah Thomas. Like you could tell, like Jordan thought it was funny that Gary Payton acted like he stopped him. Like we need more of that. And that doesn't to me seem like it exists in the NBA as much anymore. And maybe I'm kind of being a get off my lawn guys. And, but like, do you know of teams that really don't like each other? Like the Rockets and the Warriors, that was a fun feud to watch. But other than that, like, you know, like I guess Celtics, uh, well, and I think maybe, maybe it comes in part and parcel with the idea of different teams and you kind of jumping around. You don't really feel like you have rivals in the same way. That's the other thing I wanted to ask you. You mentioned Stockton and Malone playing together for 20 years or whatever. You familiar rivalries. Is that good or bad? Because you could argue that it's sort of like wrestling, like mixing it up is fun. Like, Hey, one year it's James Harden and Chris Paul. And the next year it's James Harden and Westbrook. It's like a new storyline on a soap opera. It's fun. It's fun just because for the last couple of years, it's been the Warriors the whole time, you know, like, so that's been fun to see like, all right, like who can move their chess pieces around a little bit to beat that team at full strength. And, you know, that's why this season I thought was so fun. Cause it's obvious that they, excuse me, weren't going to win the title, but I miss the, I mean, think about even like the little rivalries, like the Knicks and the Heat, like the Pacers and the Knicks, the Knicks and the Pacers, like those teams, they wanted to beat each other. Like it was fun to watch Detroit in 2004 play in the NBA playoffs with a huge chip on their shoulder and try to be really physical against the Lakers and play that underdog role. And we never really got to see that again. Like LeBron against the Celtics, like that was appointment TV in the East, right? Even when he was on the Heat. Like, I thought that that stuff, I mean, LeBron and the Wizards was a fun rivalry, even though they never won. Like, I think those rivalries make the league better. And now we don't really have, you know, like, you don't have guys like Kevin Garnett anymore that to, to try to drive. You have guys like KD that kind of, like, it's fake to me. You know what I mean? Like, you're trying to be super tough. But, like, LeBron, who's, who's LeBron's biggest rival? I, I think it would be Duran, except... I think it's Durant, except that they didn't really match up in the same yeah, conference. Ex- and Durant went to the Warriors to try to beat the guy, right? Like, I guess, like, in an, 
if you really want to talk rivals, like Kawhi Leonard is probably the one guy that's had that type of success against him. And, you know, like Paul Pierce was great at it. He was super chippy against him. Like, well, and also like, I'm a huge Durant defender, of course, but like that should have been the rivalry. They matched up in the finals two times playing the same position. And like Durant's team was just so much better. Better. It wasn't really. So like the big rivalry was like the, like I said, the the big rivalry was like Warriors Rockets the last couple of years, because like we knew that the Cavs weren't going to beat the Warriors. Like it just wasn't going to happen. And so you know, to me, I, I miss that a little bit. And, and I don't mind, you know, like I, I'd like to see Giannis with like a real foil, right? Like I wouldn't mind to see Giannis against LeBron in the championship this year if it ends up happening, because I think you can get some mileage out of that. Like you can get like the young buck against LeBron and like how they guard him and you get to watch him figure it out. Because like even, you know, when it was fun to hate LeBron when he went to the Heat, like the NBA needs stuff like that. And now that doesn't even seem to exist, right? Like who, do, who who's like the, the NBA villain? Like people hate James Harden because he plays boring or like people hate Durant because he went to the Warriors. But like there's no, the storylines don't really exist. And I think part of it's because NBA production is as watered down as it's ever been. Like it seems like games aren't a big deal. I think the one I can remember, the last time I remember was like LeBron in Miami did feel like a villain. And I think the country actually rallied behind like Dirk. Yeah, um, 2010. Yeah. yeah. And after that, LeBron won a title in Cleveland and then kind of became likable again. Right. I will say, I don't remember, I think it was 2012, but Heat Celtics, when he put like 45 on the Celtics in game six in Boston, that was a... I, everybody watched that game because it was like, all right, can LeBron do this, right? Like, can he beat the Celtics? And I thought that that was a big one. Like, that and I also, remembered. And you talk about jumping around, and I always caution players when they ask me, they call me, what should I do, Zan? Um, one of the reasons Dirk's so beloved is because he played his whole career with Dallas and eventually got over the top and won a title. I think if LeBron had stayed in Cleveland his whole career, he would have been beloved by everybody. He'd probably need a title, though. You know, you'd still need a title. And same with Durant and Oklahoma City. And and by bouncing around, maybe they won more titles, but their legacy, their popularity, their Q rating kind of takes a hit. Because I would say it's it's very obvious now that, like, this will be my last point and we'll, we'll let you go until next week. But, like, I would say now it's pretty obvious with everything that's happened and obviously with Kobe passing away this year, I think the amount of people who just all of a sudden are like, hey, huge Kobe fans, it's it's like – there are more Kobe fans than there are Lakers fans, right? And I think that would be the case with LeBron in Cleveland, where you would have this larger-than-life superstar. And I think now, like you said, it's, it's, it's been harder for guys to really latch on to him, right? Because I, I truly believe if he had stayed in Cleveland, he would have found a way to win a title there without having to go and come back. I, I believe it. He's too good, right? And guys would have wanted to play with him, whatever. They would have done everything they could. But I think that Kobe's more well-liked than LeBron. Because I think it's easier to poke holes in how LeBron approached trying to win an NBA title. And, you know, it's crazy because I, if you ask me, like, I think that LeBron is a better person than Kobe, right? Like, I think he's done more socially. I think he's done way more for the NBA. But like I said, as a pure basketball fan, I think there's more people that like Kobe than LeBron. And I think what you're saying is the biggest reason why. Because he didn't And, and, and that's the people same love with- Steph Curry, who stayed with Golden State. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, also just like very likable player. Too, he is, guess, he is super likable. The way he plays, like he, he's But is there, is there an example of like the guy who stayed his whole career, 15 years with one team as their star and people don't like? Reggie Miller. That's true. But people like him. People like Reggie. Like he's, yeah. you know. 
I think well, people remember Reggie Miller almost better than they remember Ray Allen because the Ray Allen jumped around. Maybe that's a good one. I guess that's a, that's an interesting one. Cause like Reggie was such a good villain when he played too. That's the other thing. Like Ray Allen was never a villain when he played. People just loved Ray Allen. But Reggie Miller was like, you either loved him or you hated him. Like we saw him. He's pushing Michael Jordan. Nobody touches Michael Jordan, right? Like you don't do that. But I don't know. There, there aren't that many other guys that have, you know, just stayed on one team their entire career as a star and been disliked, I guess, is what your point is, right? Like how many other guys have been on a team for 15 years? And then like I guess you could say... Like you're talking about it, right? You said Dirk, right? Because you're winning the title. Do you need the title to really change that? But like you have example. all the Spurs guys, right? And everybody likes the Spurs guys, but like nobody loves them, right? You don't, you don't see people, like we get these top 10 lists now, like Duncan should probably be like five or six. And he's like an yeah. afterthought, right? Like, but other than that, you know, you have your Kobe's, your Dirks, you have your Tim Duncan's, but who else stayed on a team? Pretty much no one. Nobody. I mean, Kobe, nope. I mean, like you... Even Jordan left, you know, Tom Brady left. Dwayne, Wade, Dwayne Wade left. Like yeah. he could have stayed in Miami and he would have been a huge star. Like, you know, Harden, you know, now he's the Rockets through and through, but he's Oklahoma City. Russell Westbrook, same deal. Like Paul George had a chance in Indiana with how crazy their fans are. Not going to happen. Kawhi, like now he's on his third team. I mean, maybe Damian Lillard if he stays, but they're not going to win a title with him there. So, you know, Kevin Garnett left, played on two more teams, right? It's, it's just hard. I think it's really hard. And I think now, and, and a lot of that is because of, if you want to talk about the one main takeaway, it's that Jordan judges himself specifically on winning rings. And if you want to be judged in the same breath as Michael Jordan, you have to have championship rings and you cannot, you right. can't do it and with maybe, three rings. Maybe that's right? what we're ignoring. Like whether you're likable or not is dependent on whether you win a title. Is that what yeah. we're saying? Is there anyone who's like beloved who didn't win a title? Great question. Who's the best player to ever win an NBA title? Reggie well, Miller? not even that. Dominique like, Wilkins? Well, like Charles Barkley. Didn't Charles Barkley. is He's like universally beloved, but I don't know that he was at That's the time. True. But would, a lot would of his he, yeah, post-career stuff matters. Right. Yeah. Karl Malone is not universally loved. I think Stockton is, but he's also like so understated and like you never really hear from him that I don't think he matters quite as much in like the grand scheme of things. But David Robinson, if he doesn't win a title, maybe he's not as beloved as he is. It's Anybody, interesting. Who are you and does it matter? Does it really matter? Um, do you Anthony you Davis? You've stayed your whole podcasting career. You know, after that speculation, are you happy to be back? Are you like like Jordan? Are you happy I to like, come? Uh, is this the Wizards podcast for you, or the? Repeat, <laughs> I like the coming back dance. to talk. I like coming back to talk about basketball. I hope, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess next week we can kind of run down like all the things that have happened with like Adam Silver's press conferences and do more of like a nuts and bolts thing. But I do want to say. I think that The Last Dance, while I would also agree with Horace Grant in the sense that it is kind of a so-called documentary, I thought from an entertainment standpoint and for young NBA fans, like, I think it was definitely great TV and I think it was super worthwhile to watch. Like, it's content when we need it, obviously. You know what it felt like to me? It's like, we can nitpick it. I don't think it was as well done as people think. I don't think it was as interesting as people think. I watched every episode. I enjoyed every episode. It's like, to me, it's like, pizza it's like bad pizza is still enjoyable oh, wait. bad ice cream still enjoyable let's hold on let's talk about that real quick two minutes did he eat poison pizza uh, and now keep you in said mind not that, i i believe it i don't keep know in mind that the don't. assistant manager of that pizza hut claims that he made the pizza himself and it was only two people at the door so he says that story is bs craig fight i believe is his name 
You don't think I, that Michael Jordan would have shouted out the Pizza Hut that he ordered poison pizza from? <laughs> I don't know. You know, speaking of pizza, like I, I mentioned to you, like I'm last lactose intolerant now in my old age. I feel like I'd have got that way because I have to be an old Jewish guy. Um, right, right. That's one of the requirements. Uh, I, I would feel quite sick if I eat a whole pizza by myself. I, I just... Or even if I had five slices by myself. We have all this story about Michael Jordan being this like super competitive guy. Like George Carl didn't talk to him in a restaurant. So he wanted to kill George Carl. Like Carl Malone won the MVP. So Charles Barkley won the MVP. You're telling me if he got food poisoning from pizza, I just think he's so petty. We would have heard about it by now after 20 years. Here's what I think happened. I think Jordan had the stomach flu. I think it was not as crazy of a case as people claim i think obviously if you're sick and you're playing in a game for i mean he played 40 minutes he scored 38 points like uh, amazing performance i just think his team was totally cool just letting the narrative run wild that he was like a little bit sick i don't i don't buy that like i don't care about the hungover stories i don't because we never heard about him ever being hungover before and he partied a ton like we know he played 36 holes of golf with jeremy roenick before uh, a regular season game and had like a bunch of beers and scored 50 but like i I just think Jordan had a little stomach bug. And I think that they let the narrative go because that's what we do with Michael Jordan is that everything Michael Jordan does is larger than life. And so now it's much cooler to say he had food poisoning. Cause like Zan, you've had food poisoning before. Like it knocks you on your ass. But you watch, did you watch that game live? Do you remember the flu? Game I have watched it. I did not watch it live. I have. I, I remember it watching since. it live, and he was clearly affected. His I'm, eyes I'm were like saying, glassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm just saying that I don't. I don't buy this like more than a man story. I think that his team let it go a little bit more than like. You know, I'm, I'm sure he was sick. I'm sure he had like a hundred. You know, they said he had like 103 fever. You don't get a fever with food poisoning. So uh, what, that is one. That is one thing that, like, I so do respect. What's the story here? I think it was some. Maybe it's just bad pizza. I don't know. Yeah, cheesy he pizza. ordered Who Pizza knows? Hut thin crust pepperoni. The guy was like, "You can't get food poisoning with that." From that, that's what he uh, said. You know, I could see LeBron being like, "Look, he's considered the ultimate warrior. He's smoking cigars, eating pizza at two a.m. I'm probably working on my body more than anybody, and and, and he's considered like the great competitor. Although, you know, I well, yeah, I like, give him. We had like Paul Pierce getting injured in like the 2008 finals or whatever and having to get like carried off the court. What, about, what about LeBron's cramp game? Didn't that happen like multiple times? He got cramps uh, against the Spurs, Spurs right? Remember? The it was air like conditioning the game. The yeah. conspiracy that they somehow put on, took, turned out the AC I, so it would only affect LeBron James. I just think, here's, here's my point. Whether he had food poisoning or didn't, I don't buy that it was poison pizza. I don't buy it. Like I, I'm not saying that he didn't eat the pizza and feel sick. That's certainly possible. But I think that Michael Jordan is the last guy out there where you get these sort of like legendary stories and I think they're protected and I think he wants to protect his brand. And I just don't think you can have something like that happen in today's right. game. Remember, well, remember, that, when, LeBron, remember when LeBron hurt his wrist? You remember that? Like, yeah. come on now. It's, it's like stuff like that. And I'm, I'm saying that like you could build that up in 1997 Whereas in 2017, you can't anymore. There's just too much information. Well, that was like a flaw in the documentary that we mentioned. Is like just taking his word for it on that and like on the gambling. And like, look, 
his minor issue, but like Gary Payton guarded him well. I'm like, what does Jordan think? Oh, he laughs at it. So therefore it's not. That was, that scene was amazing though. That was actually one of the funniest parts when he just like thought it was the funniest thing ever. But he did guard him well. I mean, if you look at the stats, you know. That was Jordan's worst finals, if I remember correctly. And especially if you look at like those last few games, like he was struggling from the field quite a bit. Um, Nate McMillan was a great defender, right? He was on that team and Nate McMillan was a really good defender. Um, anyway, good. So we have to find something else to talk about. Hopefully, you know, there's a new documentary out next week. If last thing I want to ask you, I love behind the scenes stuff. I loved like the, you know, fighting between Phil Jackson, and Jerry Krause, like the politics, like that's my favorite part of the documentary. Um, if, and in general, we like these, it's like bad pizza, bad ice cream, whatever. It's still enjoyable. If you had to green light, similar documentary about something else in basketball that we would know, what would it be? What's the first mm. thing you want to see? Is it LeBron? Is it the Warriors? Is it Kobe and Shaq? What is it? No, I don't want to see that. I would really like to see, this is, you're going to get so mad at me for this answer, but I, I'd love to see like the 2007 Wizards with like the guns and Gilbert Arenas and like Karan Butler. 10 parts? I don't know about 10 parts. I, I just don't think, honestly, I don't think there's enough that's super interesting now. I guess probably maybe the 2004 Lakers would be really interesting. See, I, I have a different take because I because like lo- you get, you I get love Kobe, this right? Stuff. I I would watch a behind the scenes documentary on the Wizards from this year, like an all or nothing. Character. I understand. I understand yeah. what you're saying. Like you would take I like any nonfiction sort of- behind the scenes stuff. All right, like, so here books. You know, like we'd mentioned Seven Seconds or Less is a great book, but like. There's a great behind-the-scenes book on Rex Ryan and the Jets. I remember reading. I, I think and I if like you're, that. I think if you're asking me what I would do about this specific year, I probably would want to start with, and you're going to get mad at me because this is what I always say, but I think I'd want to know about the Rockets starting with getting rid of Chris Paul. Like I would like to see something from like the week before that, all the way through like the China stuff, like through Russell Westbrook, and like yeah. I think they're I, probably I the most that. Um, interesting thing. The, the people at ESPN have rejected that pitch. They don't think it's the crowd pleaser. Right, like, how about, I mean, obviously I guarantee the, Lakers, the next then, one. Right? Kobe's going to be the next one just because the, the well, legacy, you know, the dad, the Shaq stuff. And he had the two years. He had two years. He had a camera crew following him around at the, the last two years of his yeah. career. So, so that'll be the next one. LeBron, I would say the the most natural to me in twenty years is going to be LeBron's story focused on. Him winning in Cleveland. Cleveland, I think that's yeah. going to be like the the signature part. How about another? How about other sports? Uh, that's a good question. I, um, Tiger Woods for me because you never he won't do it. It's they're, it's they're just, having they're airing one this weekend. I think about some sort of Tiger Woods. Story. Well, Lance Lance Armstrong has the next two thirty for thirties, which would be interesting. But then the other one, I think, and and I I just I would watch. And unlimited hours of footage on Mike Tyson and and what his life was like when boxing was as big as it was when heavyweight fights were so popular and he yeah was we're gonna see a lot of copycat stuff like maybe a Muhammad Ali documentary maybe a, a Tyson documentary People, who but who's the guy that like you can do like Jordan that's universally beloved right like that's the the Kobe one is the one that makes the most sense because even now like Tiger has he has a bunch of fans but like. There's also a, a conglomeration of people that don't like Tiger Woods, and like right. that's the and I would say that about Tom Brady too, because it's like accomplishment wise, he's up he there, but like one. people don't like him necessarily. He, Tom, Tom might get one. I could see that. I, I would. I mean, I would do. But see, here's the other thing too, right? And then I, I just think like some of these guys just aren't that interesting, right? It's like Tom Brady, like how interesting is Tom Brady? 
like Peyton Manning, like, oh, look at him study the playbook. Like, wouldn't you probably rather see a documentary on like Ben Roethlisberger than either of those two guys? Just because well, that's why like some... Kobe, Kobe and Shaq is an interesting dynamic for yeah. sure. And, and that's um, what with Jordan, like you could do this with all the old footage and you don't necessarily need to delve into the other side to have enough entertainment with some of these other guys. You, pr- you probably do, right? Because- Well, you needed that. That's why you needed Krauss because it's like the- yeah, the protagonist antagonist like well, and it, Shaq and Kobe you have that sort of tension and they went in like chronological order right so they established Krauss but then they, they they scroll over to the Pistons and his issues with Isaiah and Isaiah is obviously on camera and then they go kind of more towards Portland and Clyde Drexler and it was good the way they did it in terms of like these people that Jordan picked out as like mini villains along his way I guess right and, and I, then I read the behind the scenes book uh, a couple on LeBron one about him rejoining Cleveland Windhorse has written a lot of them and they're interesting like knowing about him and David Blatt or knowing about him and Kyrie or if I, I don't know if I would watch a 10-part series but like I'd like to know about Durant's last year in in Golden State and when they did you buy that leaving did you buy that book by Ethan no, Strauss I should though I, for Christmas somebody listeners send that to me all right so that's it for us this week we'll come up with something congratulations to you first of all on this yeah, i hope i get some sleep before next week congratulations to your wife um the kid i've heard has been offered a scholarship to temple in 20 no, we're years. not we're not going there we're we're out on the owls they were they were disrespectful to some people we cared about very deeply so Villanova guy. All right. Uh, as always, then. Oh, yeah. I guess reach out to the show, Zandrickelson, gmail.com. We're, Congratulations, we're Tyler. What an accomplishment to, to have a child, your wife mostly, but you were there. Yeah, I was there. I, <laughs> you, were, I, you were the Judd Bushler in the situation. Moral, moral support. Nobody got into a fight. My, Michael Jordan delivered. And uh, like you said, Bill Wennington just hung out and made sure that like he caught a basketball if he didn't. You're back. But, we're ready. We're back uh, for the We're three back. Three. And uh, Zan, I really, I, I really was excited this Good week. to have you back. Big pleasure. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 